It's great to be back worshiping with you all today. Um, I've missed you. Um, we've, I've been preaching the past um, five, six weeks at St. Luke's in Akron, so that's delayed me a, a bit. Um, <clears throat> before we get into the homily, I have a sort of an explanation of the title of my, my sermon today, which is Eat More Jesus. And if you're familiar with what's going on in America this past week, that might be an ironic or pretty apt uh, title. Uh, you know, Chick-fil-A, um, there's been sit-ins, people supporting them. There's been protests, people against what their CEO has stated about marriage. And all that's going on, and Wednesday was a big day for that. And then I start looking at the lectionary readings, and I see we're in John 6, and I see Jesus feeds the multitudes with bread. And uh, there's political undertones say even how Jesus feeds them. They want to make him king. So I, th- I thought it was very ironic and very apt um, that with what's going on in America, we have this reading today. If you have your Bibles, um, you could open to John chapter 6. It's about two-thirds the way through the book. It's the fourth gospel. If you don't have a Bible, you could open up your smartphone. And if you have a Bible app, you can uh, <laughs> type in John chapter 6. We'll be there. As you're searching, I'll I'll pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son Jesus, and we thank you, Christ, for the spirit of truth that you have sent into our hearts by faith um, that illuminates who who Jesus really is, and we want to see that today, Father. So we ask that you take us beyond just signs to the true reality of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In today's lesson in, in John's Gospel, we find that Jesus is pretty anxious Um, that the people that he previously fed in the beginning of the chapter with the loaves and the fish um, uh, are chasing after him, right? The story reminded me of my first visit to New York City as a youth. Um, I might have been 12 or 13. And I visited two uncles there. My first uncle was a businessman. He owned health insurance companies and uh, food franchises, and he did a lot of business type of stuff. Very pragmatic, bottom line kind of guy. My other uncle uh, was an artist. He studied in Italy and he uh, restored um, uh, gold leafing on artwork. So I have these two uncles and I wanted to go see the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art. But I only had one afternoon to go see it. So I wanted to get as much information as I could so I could be conversant with my artist uncle and I also wanted to be very pragmatic and try to cover as much ground um, to make it worth the investment to go. So I was racing. And if you've ever been to the Met, it's huge. So I was racing from exhibit to exhibit, from artwork to artwork, reading all the little uh, um, inscriptions about what, what artist made this piece and why and the time period. And I was trying to get all this information. And I was mostly successful. Um, but in my youthful haste, I failed to take in the pieces of art and let them speak in their own language to me. And that's a lot of how Jesus is feeling today when this crowd comes and surrounds them. Um, after being fed with loaves and fish, um, they, they were a lot like myself, rushing through the Met. They saw the signs, but they failed to take in and experience the one who is giving them the signs. Um, the notes that I was reading on all the exhibits, the purpose of those notes were to take my eyes and my mind and my heart 
and to look anew onto the pieces of art, to engage it and be transformed by its um, beauty. Likewise, the bread and the fish that Jesus distributed to the crowds were there to lead, lead the eyes of the people, to lead the hearts and the minds to the true gift of God to his people, to Jesus. If you look at the beginning of John 6, we see it begins with Jesus feeding the multitudes. He takes a little bit of breadcrumbs, takes some bread, and he takes some fish, and he multiplies it, and he feeds them. And in verse 15, they want to do something to Jesus. What do they want to do? You can talk. They want to make him a king, right? And Jesus perceives this before they could forcefully make him a king, and he withdraws to the mountain to pray. And as he withdraws, um, his disciples sail across the sea to Capernaum, and Jesus goes to meet them. But Jesus doesn't take a boat, does he? What what does Jesus do? He walks on water, and he scares them. (laughs) That had to freak them out. And he joins them in Capernaum. And then what do the crowds do on the other side of the sea? They pursue him. And we get to verse 25, when they find him on the other side of the sea, and they say to Jesus, Rabbi, when did you come here? You know, we've been looking for you. How'd you get here? And Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. It's a a strange, strange dialogue, isn't it? I mean, after all, Jesus did a miracle in their sight. He fed 5,000 people from a few loaves and a few fish. And they wanted more of him. And they even took the time to sail across the sea to try to find him. And Jesus rebukes them. Why? Don't you think that's strange? I think it has to do with verse 15. Jesus perceives their heart. That they want to forcefully make him a king. And as they meant to make him a king, they meant to make him a king like other kings, a king of this world, um, a king of, with strong this-worldly agendas and a strong this-worldly figure. Um, in, in Judaism, during this period, there was many revolutions, and part of the expectation of the Messiah was as a, uh, you could say, a political revolutionary to kick out the Romans. So uh, the Messiah sometimes was... Uh, more of an earthly figure for a temporal government overthrow of the Romans to get the people back into the temple and back under the rule of the king. And they would amass in the desert, and they would often have thousands of followers. So perhaps the people were thinking in those terms that this is just another political revolutionary to kick out the Romans. But Jesus wasn't a king like that, was he? He wasn't just another revolutionary. Jesus is indeed a king, but the type and manner of his kingship is very different from what the crowds expect or even wanted. Jesus' charge against the crowd is that the sign of the miraculous feeding is meant to lead them to the true food, the food the Son of Man will give them, verse 27. We find out later the conclusion in verse 35 that this is Jesus himself. What matters, friends, isn't what Jesus can do for you. He could do a lot of cool things. He could do a lot of things that benefit you. 
you bring Jesus a little bit of water, he'll give you the endless supply of wine, right? The best wine. If you give Jesus a few loaves of bread and some fish, he'll give you an endless supply of bread and fish. If you have a cough, you can go to Jesus and he'll heal you. If you happen to die, he could raise you from the grave. But it's not what Jesus can do for you, friends, that makes him different. It's who Jesus is. It's who Jesus is. Only if you're prepared to be confronted in a new way and ask who Jesus really is can you begin to see what he really can do for you. Only when the hurried uh, young adolescent Ryan slows down in the Met and is prepared to stop and ask the question, what are these signs, what are these inscriptions even here for? Then you may look up and perceive the art and have a relationship with it that transcends just a pragmatic, quick Tasteful, rushing through the museum. And the following exchange between the crowds and Jesus function very much in this way. They help, they help them to see that the signs of the past, such as Moses distributing bread or manna to Israel in the desert, and the signs of the present, Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish and feeding the 5,000 in the wilderness, are meant for people knowing who God truly is. Jesus said to them in verse 32, again, when, when Jesus says truly, truly, or verily, verily, or truly, verily, or verily, truly, depending on the translation, you want to pay attention to that. It's a Bible study note. And Jesus says to them in verse 32, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Elsewhere in John's Gospel, Jesus says, um, I have come to give them life and life to the full. It's not just life. It's overflowing life. It's the essential life, what life was meant to be. And Jesus doesn't acquiesce to their request for another sign, as in the days of their ancestors like Moses. He doesn't just say, okay, here's another bread. Here's another bread line. Here's more manna from heaven. He doesn't acquiesce to that. But instead, he points to the real answer of their question that's standing right in front of them. He says that Moses was only God's agent. What was going on all along was that God was providing not just physical bread from the sky, but the spiritual nourishment which kept alive their faith and hope. That was what God was doing then. It's what he was doing in the time of Jesus. It's what he's doing today. And the passage ends climactically with the first of the many I am sayings of Jesus in John's Gospel. Here's another Bible study tip when you're studying John's Gospel. It's unique from the other three. And you want to look for at least two things. The first is this pattern of signs. There's, there's um, all these different signs, like the, the feeding of the uh, 5,000 was a sign. And they'll, they'll use that language, and this was a sign. There's many of those. Look for those in John's Gospel. The second are these I am statements. Statements like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Or, I am the light of the world. Or, as it ends climactically here in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Until the crowd recognizes who Jesus really is, until we recognize this, They may be fed with bread and fish, but there will remain a deep hunger inside them 
which will never be satisfied, no matter how much bread or how much fish they eat, no matter how many signs God gives them. As the brilliant mathematician and physicist and philosopher, one of my favorite people of history, Blaise Pascal, said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled with any created thing, but only by God, the, the creator, made known through Christ Jesus. So it's then verse 34 that's my prayer. I, I think it should be our prayer. And it can be used every day so our deepest needs are met. And that prayer, if you remember, is, Sir, give us this bread always. Amen. Amen.